as we left chapter two and, and started moving into chapter three from last week, a miracle occurred. And anytime the Bible records a miracle after a teaching or, or after a revelation of Christ, you need to really hone in on what he's saying. Because the miracles in true form of the gospels tend to bookend true teachings of the kingdom. And Christ often would teach something and then a miracle will be performed that reveals what he's teaching. In the book of Acts, we see that Peter, once the power of the Holy Ghost had fell on the 150 disciples gathered together, they began to speak in an unknown language that they did not know, but the other uh, visitors for um, the Passover celebration did know. Uh, they began to prophesy in their home languages, which was very unique. As people marveled at this, Peter stood up and began to preach an impactful sermon regarding why are you marveling? This, this, this is a big deal. This is the gift of the Spirit of God that the Father prophesied would happen um, because you crucified the Christ. And he begins to reveal that to all of those that have gathered, the thousands upon thousands that have gathered for the Passover celebration, that you actually crucified the Christ and the Messiah you were waiting on. And he begins to teach them this, and hearts are turned. And it says, according to scripture, that 3,000 souls came to Christ that day. Later, Paul, uh, Peter and John, yes, go to the temple. And they see a lame man, and as we talked about this last week, and they tell this lame man who's, at, who's been laid at the gate, he's been lame since birth, to look at them. He's expecting to get some money from them. And he says, Peter tells him, silver and gold, I have not. But what I do have, I will give to thee, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. I give thee the name of Jesus, rise and walk, right? And the man gets up, runs, leaps. And so today we're going to pick up right about there. Amen? Amen. All right, Acts 3.11. <clears throat> now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, uh, which is called Solomon's, and we were greatly amazed. All right, so this man who was, had this infirmity, as we discussed, from birth. Uh, you can tell that the disciples throughout Jesus's um, adventures and, and teachings that they always struggled with, there had to have been someone's sin that caused this child to be born this way. Yeah. Some dire consequence. And, and Christ would uh, alleviate those concerns by just simply saying, this has happened to this child, that the glory of God might be revealed. In essence, he would say, yes, I don't know, it's not about what sin his parents did, in as much as it is about why he's being healed. And I think that that is paramount, because sometimes we want to know the root cause for why something is the way it is. Uh, Y'all not trying to think. Thank you, Sister Danny. Somebody need to help me here. Hello. And most times we want to know the root reason as to why we have this problem. The root cause as to why we struggle with this. The root issue as to why this keeps reoccurring in my life time and time and time again. Now, what I find is interesting in Christ's teachings is anytime the disciples bring this up, they even couldn't even heal a child because of the same argument. Well, who sinned? What was the nature? Why is this befallen? As if human beings are somehow intrinsically good. 
and then somebody else did something that made us bad, right? right? And what I love about Christ's teaching, he's like, uh, that's not the point. The point is not what happened that made you this way or whose fault is it that you are in this predicament or what did you do that has caused this consequence? Y'all don't want to hear me today. He said, you're not even looking at the real issue here. The issue issue is not the root cause. What I'm trying to reveal to you today is that you can be free. Y'all don't want to, y'all don't want to hear me today. You over here trying to figure out why did I have, why do I deal with this? Why am I feeling this way? Why can't I get this right? Why can't I let this go? Why can't I do better? He says, baby, if you could have done all that, you wouldn't be in this situation. If you were a perfect human being, then you wouldn't need a savior. I'm not here in order to explain to you why you do what you do. I'm here to tell you that you can be saved. Which leads us to the subtitle for today. <laughs> On the Acts of the Saints, part three, free from wandering. Free from wandering. <laughs> Somebody said amen already. Amen! <laughs> free, free from wandering. Free from wandering. It is something that lies in our hearts. The root of all sin was that Eve wanted to make herself better. She wanted to make herself more like God, even at the expense of doing what God told her not to do. Hello? This independent feelings that we have to be separate from God, to, to make a name for ourselves, to make a, 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 a legacy for ourselves, to better ourselves, to fix ourselves, to solve our own problems, to go back and fix what we've messed up, to, to handle our own consequences, to bear our own burdens, to pay our own debt. It seems good in the ear. Hello, somebody. Now, what seems good in this is the idea that you own up to the mistake. And the problem is that we cannot separate owning up to the mistake from our prideful feelings that we can fix it. Y'all don't want to play fair today. Y'all don't want to play fair. Y'all not trying to help me help you. Hello, somebody. You assume that shouldn't I, shouldn't I fix what I broke? Shouldn't I repair what I messed up? Shouldn't I pay back what I've done? Hello, somebody. Now, that sounds good. But the only good part in it is the idea that you know you messed up. You, your admittance of wrongdoing. What is wrong in the statement is that you assume that you can fix it. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You assume that if you can just do this, then it's back to what it was. No, baby. It's just been repaired. It's not brand new. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You, you assume that when you clean it, that it was never dirty. No, baby. It was still dirty. It's just clean. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You assume that if I could just solve this, that it is like it was. It will never be like it was because you and I are not capable of making all things new. Woo There's only one God that can make all things new. There's only one God that can restore it. There's only one God that can speak things that be not as though they were. And it ain't you. It ain't you. Huh? 
Satan deceived you into making you think that you could do something about something that you were never given the ability to do. You were given the ability to be fruitful and multiply, not to resurrect. Come on, somebody. Not to repay. Come on, somebody. Not to bring life. Come on. You were not given the ability to bring life. You were given the ability to replicate what was already given to you. Nor do you have the ability to remove that which should not be. You don't have the ability to clean. You don't have the ability to restore. You don't have the ability to repay. What shall you repay to a holy God for one sin? What? manner of sinless thing what spotless thing do you own that you can actually restore most of us get into problems with God and in life because we are pridefully trying to fix that that we messed up we do it in a way that we don't care what the person that we offended says, I don't want you to fix it. Then we get offended that they don't want us to fix it. <laughs> we get agitated with God. We walk in years of distance with him as we try to figure out a way to solve what we have broken. Yeah. We're not intimate with him. We're not in close connection with him. Because in the back of our mind, we're constantly trying to figure out how I could just stop sleeping around, how I could just stop drinking, how I could just stop smoking. And then when I finally get that together, then him and I could be even closer than this. But he can't get too close right now because I'm still trying to repair some things that I messed up. He can't get too close right now because I'm still trying to fix some things that I got wrong. He can't get too close. And the whole time he's saying, baby, I never designed you to be able to fix this in any way that would be acceptable to me. Only thing you're doing is fixing it in a way that is acceptable to you but it is not acceptable to me nor you don't have the ability I don't even have the ability to fix it in a way that is acceptable to him not when I really want to render something holy back to him do you understand all you doing is presenting a macaroni drawing that you made to your father he appreciates the effort but when it's a serious matter, we ain't got time to be playing. Hello, somebody. Any parents in the house today? Any dads in the house when you trying to handle something? Hello, somebody. And your kids say they want to help you. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You are really serious about cleaning something or fixing something or making something. Here comes your child saying, I want to help you. And you know that you ain't got no extra food to spare. Come on, somebody. You ain't got no extra time to spare. I don't have time for you to mess this up. So now the kid's desire to help is no longer helpful. Yeah. Hello, somebody. Yeah. But you're wasting time and resources that I don't have. So then it becomes more frustrating. Hello, somebody. And don't, don't we need to grow up yeah. from having a temper tantrum that the father don't want our help? Yeah. I got a new puppy. And part of his punishment when he poo-poos and pee-pees in the room, is that I lock him in the crate, and he has to watch me clean it up. 
Now, if I let him out the crate, he wants to be with me and help me clean it up. He wants to follow me to the kitchen, then follow me over here, then follow me to get the napkin, then follow me to get the cleaning fluid, then follow me to get the brew. And he just wagging his tail like, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to help you find it. And I'm just like, you're in the way. Move out the way. Don't step in that. Get out the way. You stop. Don't, don't move out the way now, Roman. Come on, scoot out the way. I need to clean this up. I'm, what's this? It's over here, too. Let me help you. Let me help you. He's stepping in and walking in. It's making a mess of things. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me. See, part of the situation is you don't want to be mindful of your instructions. What I designed for you was a lovely crate. A place where I can keep my eye on you and you can keep your eye on me. Come on, somebody. And this uncomfortable feeling that you have of being a burden to somebody, this uncomfortable feeling that you have of being in the way is all designed as part of the process to stop you from pooping and peeing when you ain't got no business pooping and peeing. Hello, somebody. Uh, I'm preaching better you acting today. But you want to help yourself, fix yourself, you know, let me clean this up. Don't clean that up. You can't clean that up. I can clean, I can do, I can be, I can be of a help. You can't be of a help right now. What you need to do is stay in this little crate. Hello, somebody. Now, a loving dog will recognize that while he's in that crate, I love him. He loves me. And the only thing we want to do is be reunited. <laughs> I can't wait for your punishment time to be over and my cleaning time to be done <laughs> so that we can just play and frolic for the rest of the evening. Hello, somebody. It was my intention when I came home that we would play and frolic all evening. But oh, no. Somebody had to go and step outside of their trained character. Hello, somebody. I'm trying to take an outside dog, a wild beast. Hello, somebody. And domesticate him to be in a home. And everybody wants me to treat him like a beast. Lock him up all the time. I'm not going to treat my baby like a beast because I don't want him to be a beast. I want him to be a domesticated animal, a house pet. I want him to feel as if he is part of the family. <gasps> Shocker. Pastor, are you trying to compare us to dogs? I don't know what I'm trying to compare you to, but all I know is I was a Gentile, an unbeliever, a soul, a sin, a sin, self soul. Hello, somebody. I was somebody that had wandered around and did whatever I wanted to do, got myself in a mess. I was a wild man just running around, getting in kinds of all kinds of trouble, and I wanted a happy home. Oh, come on, somebody. I wanted a place where I could be fed without thinking about it and, and giving water without thinking about it. And I didn't want to be out here in them streets. I wanted something plush and comfortable to rest my body in and to feel loved and petted and cared for. Even though I said I could handle the streets, I don't like the streets. Sit on that. One of the best things I love about Roman is you could tell that he was out in, the, in, in, the, in them streets. He was a crated puppy. He was crated with the purposes of being given to someone. The first couple of days Roman came to the house, he could not believe how he could just lay on soft things, <laughs> walk on soft carpet, and, and overall just enjoy the softness of things. He didn't even poo or pee in the house the first couple of times. 
He was like, this is unique. I don't know him. Now he's just regular. Now he's pooping and peeing on everything. <laughs> but for a while, he was like, this is new. I can't mess this up. Hello, somebody. Then he got comfortable. Now he's bringing his outdoor ways indoors. Y'all don't want to play fair today. Now you're taking what you used to do out there. Hello, somebody. And now you're bringing it in here. I, you know, now you, now you used to vape out there. Now you're bringing it in my house. How, how do I, how, how are you going to take what you do out there and then bring it in here? See, now you done got too comfortable. Hello, somebody. Isn't that right, Sister Janiah? Mm-hmm. I'm like, did you vape in my house? My brand new house. I didn't even, I haven't even lit a nothing. Hello? Uh-huh. People, people do what they mind. Hello, somebody. Mm. Because there are certain things that the father is trying to work out of us. Those animal ways that he had to lay that beastly skin on top of us. Hello, somebody. He has to work that kind of stuff out of us and say, now, baby, when you in this house, hello, somebody. There's ways that we do things and ways that we don't do things. Now, I know you want to be here, so this is not an indictment against you not being here. This is to further say that in order for us to enjoy this space together, not just you enjoy it, but me also enjoy being here with you, we have to come to some perfect holiness. Your holiness ain't just for you. It ain't just so you can feel better about yourself. It is also for him that he might feel welcomed and invited. Y'all don't want to play fair today. I don't not sin just for me, just so I could feel good about myself, so I could count up how many years I went without sex, so I could show how much, how good I've been doing. No, I don't. I don't sex <laughs> because I am addicted to the presence of God. I love feeling him with me. And I want him to always know that he is welcome in my All of the above, in my heart, in my temple, in me. I want you to know that you are welcome here, that this is where I want you to dwell and to inhabit, and you I want to make it comfortable for you. Is my heart comfortable for you? Hello, Sam. Come on, start asking the Father right now. Is my heart a comfortable place for you? I know you make me comfortable, but have I made you comfortable? Because when praises go up, blessings come down. Nah, because God inhabits the praises of his people. Is this a comfortable place for you? That's why we say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory be to the King of Kings. Glory be to the... All, all we're saying is we want to make you know that you're welcome here. Right in my heart. If you're in here, then you're naturally in this space. But you don't desire to dwell in temples made by man's hands. You desire to dwell in something you made. Now, so often we forget that praise and worship is an individual choice. And when we have praise and worship concerts and all these newfangled modern church stuff they're doing, people are always trying to invite the presence into the room. Uh, no. 
If he ain't in their hearts, then he not going to be in that room. Hello, somebody. He's got to be in the hearts. And by nature, he is in the room, but he cares not about the room. He dwells here inside of people. Amen? Amen. In the hearts of man. Now, as a lay man, in verse, Acts chapter 3, verse 11, who was healed, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch that is called, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. What is unique about this particular scripture is how it denotes that this man held on to John and Peter. Amen? Amen. It's as if he said, these is the men. It's as if Peter and John, this is the lame man, and he walked in the temple like this. But this man held on to Peter and John because he was healed. Hello, somebody. He celebrated because he was healed. Now, what ends up happening in verse 3 and 12, chapter 3, verse 12, is that people begin to see that this lame man who used to be outside begging had just now come into the temple. Now, just pause here for a second. The magnitude of this is that this man was never able to go into the temple. Because he was lame, he wasn't allowed to go into the temple. Hello? Now he's at Solomon's porch. Does that make sense? Everybody used to always see him outside. Never holy enough. Come on, somebody. Never whole enough. Y'all Y'all won't help me preach. I guess I got to use my preaching voice. He was never whole enough <laughs> to walk into the temple. He never walked straight up enough. He wasn't straight enough. He wasn't whole enough. He wasn't right enough. Is that, does that help you? <laughs> Sit down. So as he came in, people began to recognize that this is the man that's not allowed to come in. He's not allowed because, because something happened in his life. And we all know what it is he did. But God has utterly rejected him. See, the feeling of not being able to go into the temple is a feeling of reject. Y'all don't want to help me here. Some of y'all deal with rejection, but you ain't going to try to help me preach. Hello, somebody. You need to be saying, amen. I don't know where this is going, but I want to hear it. This man was born with something that intrinsically made him feel that he was always rejected by God. People could tell you it could be any one of us, but that doesn't change how you feel. People could tell you that sometimes these things happen, but it does not change how you feel. 
Come on, somebody. People can say that, you know, sometimes bad happens to good people, but that does not change how you feel. People can say that there's sometimes mountains that we have to climb, but that does not change how you feel. So this man has been dealing with feeling at the temple of God that he has to beg and can't even come. I mean, can you imagine being that close to God and still told you can come no further? mean to re-preach last week's message but it's the truth that this condition he was dealing with for all these years made him feel as if God had rejected him but he went to the house of God for help y'all Y'all, some of y'all have been that beggar. Hello, somebody. You kind of in and kind of out. Come on, somebody. You kind of at the gate, kind of in, but kind of out. All that really tells me is you was that beggar looking for help. That there's a situation that has happened in your life that you've been dealing with for year after year after year after year after year after year. And you don't know where else to go for help. So you get right to the edge of the household of faith. And you say, is there any help for me? Is there any help? for me and all I gotta say is silver and gold have I not but in the name of Jesus get up and we go leaping and skipping into the household of God we go leaping and skipping in the household of God instantly all of his rejection gone Instantly, all the feelings that God didn't want him, gone. All the feelings that God looked over him, gone. All the feelings that God didn't see him, gone. All the feelings that God didn't care about him, gone. All the feelings that God didn't really want him like he wanted everybody else, gone. All those feelings, gone. And one swift move. Now, what is not gone is the question, why me? Come on, somebody. What is not gone is the question, why me? See, until that question is answered, you're just delivered from. Come on, somebody. But when we can answer the why me, come on now. Now we're delivered. I'm, it's all right. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I'm. 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 I'm gonna keep going. I'm. I'm gonna keep. Mm -mm, you didn't. You didn't seem enthusiastic enough. I didn't see you scoot to the edge of your seat for that last sentence there. So I'm gonna keep going to the next point. <laughs> First, I'm on the edge of my seat. That's all right. You know I'm gonna come back to it. <laughs> so we see that this man is holding on to Peter and John. Leaping, letting everybody know these, this is, this is the one. These are the ones that did this for me. And people are gathered and they're greatly amazed. And Peter was like, why are y'all looking so astonished? And he says very plainly, as if this has been done by some power in of us. And this is when this thing flips. Because this would probably have been a good time to say, I told y'all we was the truth. I told y'all, Jesus' disciples was what's up. It's not what they did. It's not what they did. 
Peter then goes into preaching again. This was not done by us. This was, why are y'all looking at us? Because he's holding us. We didn't do this. We didn't do, we, this is not us that did this. This was done by this man's belief in the name of Christ, of Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus of Nazareth, of the man that you saw walking, that you made a common criminal. This was done by the power and belief in his name. Now, now hold on for a second. As the story progresses, I just want to show you something. As the story progresses, these elders and Sadducees, because Peter starts preaching even more. He starts preaching about the resurrection, what we're going to get to, and he starts telling everybody, this is y'all killed the Messiah, all of you. And this man was healed not by any power in us, but because of his faith in the name of Jesus. I told him, I don't have any silver or gold, but I give you the name of Jesus. That man believed in the name of Jesus. Hello, somebody. And that name that he believed in, which we're going to get to in a second, that name is what caused him to walk. And when the Sadducees and Pharisees hear this, and he starts talking about how this Christ that you crucified, he was raised from the dead. And they start preaching the truth that Christ raised from the dead. That means that they're preaching the resurrection because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees were running the temple at that particular time, very, very much so had a high influence. And they allowed the disciples to come in and out and from the temple all the time, one, because they gave good alms, money, two, because they were very moral and upstanding, and three, because the Sadducees partly believed in Jesus. They just did not believe, like Joseph of Arimathea, right? They just didn't believe in the resurrection. So when Peter begins to say that he rose from the dead and that he desires that we too will rise with him, the Sadducees, now, now look, we can't. We can't go through this. Now, why, not the Sadducees, but why would Satan not want you to believe in the resurrection? Why does Satan shroud the idea that you will rise from the dead? I mean, even some of you, if I did not preach that you were raised from the dead, you would not have that in the forefront of your brain. The only thing you keep in the forefront of your brain is heaven. But I'm telling you, come on somebody, Christ did not die to take us to heaven. Christ died that he could make all things new. And that means that you will rise, raised from the dead. And the reason why Satan wants to quiet that part of the gospel is because this gives you the empowering idea that you don't have to live your life like this is the last time you will ever live. Because if you tell me I will live again as myself, I will be me and I will raise up and live again breathing and walking on this great green earth, then I will live this current life differently. If you knew you had abundant life, you wouldn't be scrapping around with a poverty mindset about everything in your life. You wouldn't be holding on to things if you'll, as if you'll never get another. People say, well, Pastor, I want to be married. Me too. But are you okay with not being married? Somewhat. Somewhat. But it seems like you better being okay than not. I'm not like you. That's what they get all the time. I'm not like you, Pastor. I'm not okay with not being married. I mean, I prefer to be married too, but I know one thing. This is not my last life. 
So if I don't get everything I could ever hope for or dream for, if I don't experience everything from children to husband and this one life, please believe that eyes have not seen nor ears heard nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has laid up for me, baby. Don't fret about what I ain't going to get a chance to experience. You don't know the half of what God's got laid up for me. I'm preaching, better y'all asking today. So that's, 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 that's why you live. Like, I got to get this little bit of love. Now, this person done trying to take you to hell, trying to take you out of life, trying to take, you know, this person over here trying to suck all the joy out of you, trying to, oh, come on, somebody, and you just, I got to have it. I got to have something for me because you really don't believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because if you did, you live courageously. You live boldly. Over here living thirsty. Over here living dry. Over here look, living like you'd have to just, I'll just take anything. Anything. I'll take any man. I'll take any woman I could get. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take I don't even care what it is. Just somebody just help me, help me. Help me. Anybody just help me. Somebody just be with me. Somebody just help me with the bills. Somebody help me with the kids. Somebody help me get, reach my goals. Somebody just help me. <laughs> Because you have a desire to be successful in this life. But what if you could be free from that? Hello, somebody. And you could really be thinking of the kingdom of God. And I'm not so concerned with trying to be successful in this life. I want to make sure that when I step into glory and we come riding with the father back to this earth, that he puts me in a spot, in a position. Y'all don't want to play fair today. Anybody ever drove down some of these nice houses, these, these streets with these nice houses? I mean, these billionaire houses that we drive down here in Atlanta. Anybody ever been down there? And I just drive down there amazed going, where did these people get this money? And how is it so many of them? Like, is it this many people that's out here making this much money? Where did they get it from? And, and what, am, what do I need to do? That's what I be thinking. And then my mind starts going as an economy major, you know, I, that was my first degree. I start thinking about all the processes that some of these houses had to come into someone's life. All the methods and means. All the generations. Hello, somebody that were established in wealth and, and the few occasions that these were not generations established in wealth. You understand. And I started thinking about all of this. And I said, my, 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 my. What if the new earth is similar? Come on, somebody. What if he says you need to feast your eyes and desire the spiritual gifts? Come on, somebody. What if these little things are just placeholders for the spiritual? Y'all don't want to play fair today. And it may look small and it may look tiny here on earth, but it is just a placeholder. Come on, somebody, for some spiritual blessing that's going to be manifested when he comes riding on his white horse and people are going to be driving on this new earth, flying in new flying cars. I don't know what we're going to have, but they're going to say, my, my, my. My, my, what a testimony they lived back then. My, 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 what a good work they did for the Father. My, 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 what a good work they did for the kingdom. What if you could truly live in the power of the resurrection of Christ? Hello? I think you might be free from wandering. 
I'll show you. I'll show you. I'm, 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 I'm not there yet. I'm going I'm to walk you to it. So when the Sadducees and the elders heard, heard this, they got irate and angry. They arrested John and Peter, held them overnight. So they could, you know, put them into an inquisition, questioned them, threw them in prison. They threw them in prison. Why? Because the lame man that was made whole was holding on to them. Y'all don't want to. <laughs> Nobody would have known to throw him into prison if the lame man came walking in by himself. If he came celebrating by himself and John and Peter just turned the other way. No, but because John and Peter associated themselves with this man that used to be a beggar. Come on, somebody. Because John and Peter associated this man themselves with this man that used to have this issue. That used to appear to be rejected by God. Used to appear to be rejected by God because John and Peter associated, walked with him, was held by this man. Then they were accused. Y'all don't want to play fair today. Some of you don't recognize the reason you go through what you go through is because somebody has been made whole because of your life. That they are holding on to your testimony. They're holding on to what you see in God. They're holding on to how you trust the Father. They're holding on to what you declared as his goodness. They're holding on to the power of the name of Jesus that is revealed in your life. And you don't seem to recognize that you've been thrown into inquisitions. You've been thrown into afflictions. You've been thrown into persecutions because somebody is holding on to you. Somebody's holding on to you, baby. You were thrown in because somebody has associated themselves with you. And Satan don't want nothing better than to bring you down that it might loose their faith. Come on, somebody. This, 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 this is the one who told me the name of Jesus. This is the one who preached that I could be free. This, this one. She told me that today is my day. Come on, somebody. He told me that the Lord is on my side. She told me that he desires for me to be well. This is where I got it from. And the only reason you're thrown in that cage is because somebody is holding on to you. As baby believers, we don't understand that. So every time we get through a thick patch, we go instantly to what did I do wrong? And that's normal when you're a baby because you're used to doing wrong. <laughs> but when you grow up and stop doing so much wrong, what did I do wrong is not the first thing you think. What did I do wrong is not the first thing you think. The first thing you think is, what are you trying to show me? What's happening here? What do you want me to see? What are you doing? Not what did I do? Hello? Because I'm a good girl. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Huh? Because I'm, I'm a good boy. That's, that's where you need to get to. When tragedy hits, you're not thinking, what did I mess up? When tragedy hits people, I know exactly what they're thinking because I remember their last mistake. Like, I know what you're thinking. Now, it don't even mean that this happened because of that. But I know it's what you're thinking. Hello, somebody. Hello. Sister Glenda got me the other day. She thought some bad stuff, some ungrateful things, and I checked her on it. And that's not her nature because she's a very gracious person. But I had to check her nonetheless. I checked her, then she got COVID. And I called her, I said, I know you think you got COVID because you was ungracious. <laughs> she said, that was the first thing I was thinking. 
we don't know. But it pays to be grateful to the pastor. We don't know. The pastor opened up her home to you. It pays to be grateful. Hello? Hello? But we don't know exactly, but we would just say that's the first thing we think. Now, I remember when I caught COVID, I didn't think, what wrong did I do? To be honest, I caught COVID. I thought, maybe I can go home to be with my mama. That's really what I thought, like. The gates of heaven are opening for me, for me, for me. We, well, we know they're not. I'm still here. They didn't. <laughs> but I, so I was like, well, did you know, hey, mama. Right, it was not, not so. Nevertheless, let's move on, all right? So because this man held on to Peter and John, everyone persecuted them because they could not stand to hear. Now, when Peter says this, this message, 5,000 souls were saved. 5,000. 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, right? But 5,000 in the temple. This means 5,000 true, earnest Israelites trying to serve God, recognize, you mean to tell me the name of Jesus did this? Now, let's stop here for a second. Let's mix in a little bit of theology here for a moment. So often when we think of the word faith, to believe in Jesus, we equate that to believe in what he can do. This man had faith in Jesus. So in essence, this man, we interpret that to mean that this man had faith that Jesus could heal him. That's not what John and Peter were preaching. What John and Peter was preaching is that this Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. So when they are giving the name of Jesus, they're not giving it the same way that Jesus gave it when he was trying to show people who he could be. They're giving it saying this is who he is. Y'all don't want to play fair today. Jesus would heal broken eyes in order to fulfill prof I mean, uh, broken bodies and blinded eyes in order to fulfill prophecy that points to him being the Messiah. When Peter and John and the rest of the apostles start doing miracles and preaching the name Jesus, they're not trying to prove anything. They are trying to establish that that was Jesus. Do you see the difference? That it's no longer, do you believe that I have power? That was Jesus. This is the power that was given to me from the Father because I am the Christ as he walked. This is the power that was given me as I, cause I, uh, from the Father because I am the Christ. This is, this is what, what the Father gives me, I keep. You know, that was Jesus. Now, the disciples are preaching from a different perspective. Christ has ascended. They know who he is. Now they're preaching saying, it's not about the power that he has to fix anything. It's do you believe that this is who he is? If he never, never did another thing before, do you believe that he is the Messiah? Do you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen of God, the son of God, the son of man, the, the lion, the lamb. Hello, somebody. The right arm of God, the right hand throne of God. Do you believe that he is the ruler, the king? Hello. Do you believe that? So when people believe that this Christ is the ruler of the world, 
That's what they were preaching. He's the ruler. And, and I have to, I'm going to put more weight on this point because our self-centered mindsets go right to how we believe he can fix something. Yeah. Yeah. That I believe I'm supposed to have faith that God can heal me. Faith, mm, this gospel is preached not to prove that God is powerful because that has already been proven. Y'all don't want to play fair today. We don't need another testimony about the power of God because Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. It is a recorded fact by many witnesses. So we don't need proof that he has power because even Satan has some limited power to do things on earth. This is not belief that Christ has power to do things. This is belief that he is the ruler of all. Do you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the ruler of all? Do you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the ruler of all? Do you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the ruler of all? Then whatever he says shall be done. Now, if he says get up, then you will get up. If you don't say get up, then you won't get up. But do you still believe that he's the ruler of all? The problem with modern Christianity is that we're still trying to get God to prove. But miracles are not for believers. They're for the unbelieving. How you believe in Christ but still need God to prove himself? Then you never really believed. And you know you say, I don't really need that. Yes, you do. Because you have this ultimatum running on the inside of you. God, if you don't do this, then I just don't know what I'm going to do. And if you, don't, if you let this happen, then I'm just done with you and I'm done with this. You have this ultimatum running on the inside of you as though you need proof of his power. Real believers come to belief in the kingdom, come to being converted because they believe that he's the one ruler of everything. When you know that God is ruler, Christ is the ruler. And Christ makes his judgment, what do you say? Okay. When I decided something in this house, like last week, I said, I don't know why y'all trying to think, think to me that me holding Duke was a bad idea. I'm this pastor. This is my church. I do what I want to do. If I want to hold the baby, I'm going to hold the baby. It's already been decided. And there was nothing you could do about it. The only person that could do something about it was the mama. And she ain't doing nothing about it. I'm holding this baby. I don't care what you're thinking in your heads. Amen. And you knew at that point, there was nothing you could do. Whether you agreed or disagreed, the decision was made. You just got to go with it. Hello, somebody. Got to get in where you fit in. Hello? Hello? If not, then consequences and repercussions are on to you. Hello? But for the most part, it behooves you to figure out to get in where you fit in. I'm just, be, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. See, that's the thing when you walk in authority. And that's the thing that it is with God. He is the authority. So why are we sitting here trying to ask God to perform miracles? Hello, somebody. When he is going to decide to do whatever he wants to do, we need to get in where we fit in because we believe that Jesus of Nazareth is God. That's what it means to be a believer. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, verse 7, 5,000 were, so, were saved after Peter got done talking. When they locked him up, they inquired, 
Peter, John, by what power or by what name have you done this? And they make it very plain. Hello, somebody. They make it very plain. This, this wasn't in the name of, of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. See, earlier in chapter 3, verse 19, go back up just a couple of verses. These 5,000 souls that were saved were saved because Peter said, repent, therefore, and be converted. Do you see that? That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Peter, what the 5,000 souls got saved because Peter said, you need to repent. He says, and therefore be converted. This word converted. Converted has a definition that means that you turn to something, okay? To be a convert, okay, so there's an, uh, 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 what's the word? It's, it's not an intentionality. Yeah, it's an intentionality. That is the word. Uh, so <laughs> the word uh, be converted or to convert has an intentionality definition and a non-intentionality definition biblically. So what it's saying is that you could be converted means you're turning to or the non-intentionality form means that you are turned. Okay? Make sense? So I could be turning to that's the intentionality of something. Or I could just be turned and that's the non-intentionality. So in this particular verse that there is, a, there is the use of the intentionality form, all right, that you're being turned to something. Uh, hello, somebody. It is not sufficient to just be turned. Again, let's look at the word intentionality. It says that where you are, not only are you turned, but you are turned towards a specific goal. The intent with an intention of something. Y'all don't want to play fair today. So he says, repent. That repent, we all know, means to turn away, right? He says, uh-uh, don't just repent and turn from this thing, the sin. He says, repent and intentionally turn to. Y'all don't want to play. Don't just turn around from doing something, but turn to something. Y'all don't want to. I'm trying to preach. Y'all won't help me preach. He said, you got to be turned to something. He goes on to talk about Moses. He says, now, from the world, since the world began, the prophets have been saying that this Christ, the Jesus of Nazareth, was going to come. From the seed of, of Israel, the Savior would come that would bless all generations, all Gentiles. Blinded eyes would be opened. Go to um, Isaiah. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Write it in your, in your Bibles, in your notes. It's a good verse to read. It says, the servant of the Lord, behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, and whom my soul delights. This is... Uh, the father 
speaking of Jesus to come, prophesying about his son. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth. Skip on down. He goes on to say, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from prison, to uh, prisoners from prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house this this set of verses indicates that they're what people are supposed to be turning to in Christ and it's shown as a reference scripture for for uh, Peter's teaching in Acts this preaching that he's doing this verse is brought up as a reference to understanding the Christ that he is preaching and he's saying Moses had been preaching this. Everyone had preached this. It has been seen that this Christ would come, that he would deliver all of us from sin. Right? He says, repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins, this is back in Acts chapter 3, may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What I love about this particular section of verses is that when the presence of the Lord shows up, like in Isaiah, to some it could be very refreshing, healing, restoration. Hello, somebody. Renewal, lifting of burdens, something made lighter. But to others, not so much. The presence of sin, hello, somebody prohibits refreshing to happen when the presence of the Lord. It is not my fault that when you came to church, you didn't leave feeling better. Oh, y'all don't want to play fair today. It is not my fault that while we all shouted, you left feeling heavier and more weighed down and more turned upside down and you left feeling sad. It is not Maria's fault. It is the presence of sin in your life that means when the presence of the Lord showed up, you were not refreshed. You were reminded of your shortcomings. You were reminded of his holiness. You were reminded of how good God is and how far from it you are. It is not the word's fault. It is an indicator of the presence of sin in your life. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. I said it because the word said it first. Well, those of us without sin in our lives that we can think of, <laughs> then are not on the forefront of our brain. And trust me, if you have sin and you come in the house, it's on the forefront. Hello, somebody. What you did not do, what you did do, what you forgot to do, what you neglected to do, what you should have handled differently, you know, all of those things. How I should have did this, shouldn't have done that, I should have called that person, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done oh. Those of us without that, and it is possible, for those of you that doubt, <laughs> it is possible to come in the house of God and not have any wrongdoing at the front of your brain. You can actually go and think about, search it, just to make sure, Father, you know, I'm not going to be presumptuous. Forgive me. Sin's known and unknown when you get the all clear 
Oh, that presence, the, the praise and worship team starts singing. They start going in. You start swaying. You start getting excited. You be like, this is, feels good. That feel like, anybody feel that? Meanwhile, Willie Lump Lump over there. I just don't understand. <laughs> is it time to go? Folk that don't know God, that don't care about his presence, are not refreshed by his presence. That is the way it works. If you don't want him, he don't want you. I'm pretty sure it's not the case, but he does want you, but he's not going to let you feel his presence. For what? Hello? My man is my man. He's not here to make you feel good. And if I find out he making somebody feel good, <laughs> oh, Kiki, oh, you, try, you trying to Kiki it up, huh? You're laughing a little too much? I'll be quick to tell somebody, uh, he's called me to talk to me. Hey, Dr. Smith, he didn't call to talk to you. He called to talk to me. Hello? His presence refreshes me. Why are you so chipper? You need to be, you need to be, he'd be like, hello, sister such and such. You need to be like, hello, Dr. Smith. You'd be like, hey, Dr. Smith, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh, you can't be more chipper than me. <laughs> if I go, hey, babe, you go, go, go. Hey, Dr. Smith. If I go, hey, babe, then you need to go, hey, Dr. Smith. <laughs> but I can't go, hey, babe. You go, hey, Dr. Smith. Oh, no, oh, no, hold on, hold on. They're refreshing this for me. Hello, somebody. When the Lord show up, he's only there to refresh those that belong to him. Y'all don't want to play. When his presence is there, he's here to refresh people that want to be with him, that want to be around him. So if you didn't want to be around him because you wanted to be doing your dirt, then why are you surprised that you didn't feel refreshed when you came to church on Sunday morning? You didn't want him. You came because you needed him. That has a place. But don't be surprised if you don't feel refreshed. You came with a need. Hello? This is about business. This one just lollygagging. There's no Sabbath rest for you. <laughs> All right. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted. Okay, with intentionality. Repent means to turn. Converted means to turn to something. He then goes on to say, Moses, 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 Moses. Let's look, let's look at that verse that picks up with Moses in chapter 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, right? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brother. And I talked to you about that already, right? Goes on to say, yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets. And of the covenant which God made with our father, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This couple of verses has a couple of unique persons in it that gave me a question. All right. Verse 22 starts off and it says, well, Moses said to your fathers, Moses, the giver of the law, said and the law is what's holding this temple is what the Sadducees are adhering to. All right. And the same Sadducees that are crucified, that crucified Christ, and the same Sadducees that are persecuting Peter and John at this very moment, okay? So he's pulling up your Moses, the Moses that we all love, all right, that he told your fathers that he would send 
someone, an anointed one. And he's referring back to Isaiah, his servant. Yeah. Right? He knew. Moses knew. The prophets have been prophesying about this day. It was going to happen. Right? And he says that this what's going to happen is that you would be the nation that will bring forth the Jesus of Nazareth that will bless the entire world. This is when the trials and tribulations of Israel, the why did this happen to me, was answered. All this time, they never understood why. They could see God handle something. They could see God restore something. They could see God fix something, supply something. They could see God save them. But that does not work nearly as well. Hello, somebody. Once I'm saved, you answer the fact that you can save me. But the question that still looms in us is why did this happen to me in the first place? Now Israel is getting their answer that God promised the father of Israel, Abraham that from your seed the savior of the world would come this is the answer to why you had to go through generations and generations of of casting out and generations of satan on your tail and generations of satan beating you and generations of satan tempting you and generations of satan putting you in captivity this is the answer to why because i needed a place to have a seed and i chose you This is the healing moment that answers all of Israel's concerns. Not only do I see that you have the power to save me, but now that the Christ has come and I've been walking with you, hello somebody, and I see my salvation, now you're answering why. To what purpose? See, sometimes we think, well, couldn't he have done it another way? Without the pain, without the affliction, without the problems? Yes, he could have. But that doesn't solve it. Because we fell into sin, all of earth has sin and death. That's just what it is. So he could have if we could not have. Does that make sense? Since we could not resist sinning, then he cannot operate in the same way that he initially desired. Because that would make him an unjust God. Hello, somebody. So he can't be unjust, but he can be merciful. Y'all don't want to play fair today. I can't be wrong, but I can be merciful. So now I need a way, which is Christ, to extend my mercy. Come on, y'all don't want to play fair today. I can't just act like you didn't do nothing wrong, but I will provide a way of escape. Come on, somebody. I just can't act like you don't deserve it, but I will provide a way that you might bear it. Because if I reward evildoers, then I'm an unjust God. But if I provide mercy, a second chance, come on, somebody. If I provide a way of escape where you carry a load, but it's a little bit lighter, where you bear a cross, but you ain't got to die to it. Come on, somebody. If I provide a way, then I'm a merciful king and still just. 
Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, do you believe that he's the ruler of the world? Do you believe that he's the ruler of the world? The soon coming king? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sit, 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 sit. My God. Yeah, he could have done it a different way. But we didn't do things different. So now he has to do it the most perfect way that he sees fit. And that may include some pain. But the issue here is not about how he could have done it that didn't cause pain. The issue, and this is really what we want to get to the bottom of it, is that I go through all of that pain for nothing. Oh, come on, somebody. Now, come on. If, if, I got, if I got to live down here in this sinful world, in this dying world, and if I've got to have bad things that happen, if storms have to occur, if affliction has to happen, if problems have to be brought to my life, then what I really want, come on, somebody, is that it means something. Some good come out of it. Some promise that it wasn't just wasted tears, wasted pain. Y'all don't want to play fair today. That I just didn't waste all these years. Come on now, y'all don't. Did any, could you use any of what I had to go through? Could you use any of the years of torment? Could you use any of the years of pain? Can you use any of my abuse? Can you use any of my torment? Can you use any of my disappointment? Can you use any of it? Since I can't undo it, because time moves forward, not backward. Since I can't undo it, can you use it? Israel is healed at this moment, and 5,000 souls revealed that healing was taking place. Because the father answered, I could use that. I could use your, your years of dispersion. Come on, somebody. I could use your years of being under the Ammonites. I could use your years of being under the Philistines. I could use your years of being under the Moabites. I could use your years of wars. I could use your years of pain. I could use your years of tears. I could use your years of plagues. I could use your years of famine. I can use your years. Do you believe that I'm the ruler of the world? Then I could use it. Sit on down. Hallelujah. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Come on, right in your seat. Bless him, bless him, bless him. No, from a sincere place, not for me, for him. Come on. Bless him, bless him. I feel the Lord needs somebody to show some gratitude. I'll use it. I'll use it. I can use it. I can use it. Come on. Come on. If you believe in the name of Jesus, come on. Come on. I hear the, I hear the Spirit of God say, I could use it. I can use it. I can use it. Come on, somebody tell the Lord, I'm going to put it in, in your hand so it won't go to waste. Come on. I'm going to put, come on, come on, surrender, surrender those years. Surrender that pain. Surrender that traumatic event. Say, I'm going to put it in your hand so that it won't go to waste. Come on. Those choices, I'm going to surrender it. I should have done better, but I didn't. I'm going to turn it right over to your hands. Come on, Lord Father, you use it. You use it. You use it. I don't want the pain that I incur to just be for nothing. Use it. I don't want the divorce to be for nothing. Use it. Come on. I don't want that abuse to be for nothing. Use it. 
I don't want that bad selection to be for nothing. Use it. I don't want me not finishing that degree to be used for nothing. Use it. Come on in the name of Jesus. I don't want that year, those years to be. I don't want that time when I lived there, that time that I lived here to be used for nothing. Come on. Somebody needs to lift that from their hearts and put that in their hand. I don't know what to do with it, but I know you work all things. Come on. I know you work all. I don't know how to get this. I'm not built to make this new again. I am not built to make this new. I'm not built to repair it. I'm not built to fix it. I'm not built to restore it. I'm not built to replenish it. So I yield it to you. You make all things new again. Take this molded and make it for my good. As I learn to be called. Come on, sit on down in the name of Jesus. What I find is interesting as we close for today is that the Bible uses Peter preaches the story of Moses coupled with the story of Abraham. Oh, yeah. We had Moses and Abraham at the house the other day. No, seriously. They hung a painting that some of the members bought me for my birthday. It's a Van Gogh replica, a hand-painted Van Gogh replica, right, of Van Gogh's um, cypress in the wheat field. It represents mourning, grief, and sorrow in the midst of a wheat field, which is what the body of Christ and the harvest, the last harvest is. And so I love that painting, and I've wanted a, a, a copy of it. I didn't know I was going to get such a big copy. The copy is so big, hand-painted, that it had to be professionally hung. All right? And uh, the people that professionally hung it, their names was Moses and Abraham. <laughs> if anybody is going to hang... The memorial of you serving God in the midst of grief. If anybody is going to hang what you remember as the hardest time of you being faithful to God in the midst of pain and suffering, it will be the manifestation of a Moses and an Abraham. Ain't nobody like my God. <laughs> I am so fond of him. <laughs> I am not making this up. I know my podcast listeners are going, this can't be. This, this is actually real. I've got witnesses. His nickname was Mo, but his real name is Moses. And his partner, his name was Abraham. Unrelated. Not even, they're not even brothers. How did that happen? Uh-huh, sit on that. I'm telling you, I, I mean, I'm fond of the Lord. I, I think he's he pretty fond of me. I'm just going to be honest with you. I love him. <laughs> he do love me. If anyone is going to handle the reminder of this season of your life, if anyone is going to hang it on a wall of a house that I built for you, If anybody's going to touch it and bring it in, it's going to come from the sheep. Come on, somebody. And it's going to be escorted into your new home by Moses and Abraham themselves. What I find is interesting is that Moses saw great miracles. Didn't he? And I would even venture to say that in Moses' life, the miracles that we saw God perform wasn't for the children of Israel. I mean, excuse me, it wasn't for Pharaoh. Yeah. It was for the children of Israel. 
wandering in the wilderness only happened because the children of Israel were disobedient to the leading of God. When God revealed himself, they didn't understand or believe in who he was. They only believed in what he could do. So they were thus delivered from, but had not had the opportunity to be converted, to be delivered to, come on, to be turned to something. And when God wanted them to turn to him, they couldn't see for what they were turning to, to their bellies. Turning to their money, turning to their provisions, not turning to him. I would venture to say that it is possible that the miracles God did and freeing the children of Israel from Egypt was not for Pharaoh. It wasn't to convince Pharaoh because we saw that God had Pharaoh's hand, heart in his hand. Yeah. He hardened it when he willed. So these miracles were not done in order to convince Pharaoh that God is great. These miracles were done in order to reveal the nature of God to Israel. Why is that important? Because when Jesus showed up, he fulfilled miracles and prophecies that were designed to reveal the nature of God yet again to Israel as Christ is God in the express image. Great signs and miracles are not done to convince the, to convince the unbelieving. It's done to show the believers the nature of Christ. And once you know who God is, you don't need no more miracles. Now, Moses saw miracles in order to reveal God to a nation that only knew Pharaoh. Moses wasn't the father of Israel. Who was? Abraham. Now, Abraham didn't see great miracles. Just pause. Just, just think about it. Abraham did not see any huge Red Sea parting, blood, water turning to blood. He didn't see any great plagues. that Abraham saw regular day-to-day -day stuff that he then said, this is God. The biggest miracle Abraham had was his wife got pregnant. But this is just an exaggerated form of an everyday thing. Hello? Y'all yeah. don't, don't want to play. Y'all don't want to help me preach today. Could it be the beginning of your faith is not in seeing some grand miracle of your deliverance, but the beginning of your faith is seeing God move in exaggerated forms of your everyday living, seeing him say, now here go a little bit of a bonus. Oh, here go a little bit of no traffic. Oh, here go a little bit of saving from an accident. Oh, here go a little bit of some friend helping you. Could it be that the beginning of your faith is seeing God do great things in everyday ways? Don't talk to me about how you don't like the mundane of life. I see God move in Abraham and Moses' of my everyday life. You're going to miss him. The foundation of your faith is God moving in your life. And the only time he got to do big things is because you got so far off that you don't even know him anymore. 
You got so far, you've been so under Pharaoh, you don't even know your one true living God anymore. Now he's got to break through time and space in order to remind you of who he is. That should not be. But if we should see him in delivering memorials to our homes. And I just need to hire somebody to do this thing and that I got need to be done. And then, and then we see him in great exaggerated ways of everyday life. Yeah. Sit on down. Could it be that if you saw this, if you saw who God was, could it be that if we saw God as true believers moving in exaggerated forms of our everyday life, that this might be the cure from our wandering? Oh, y'all don't want to play fair today. Remember that the children of Israel only wandered because they did not believe God. Before then, they were led by God. It was when they didn't believe to follow God further where they then sentenced to wander in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, for 40 years. Hello, somebody. Then they were sentenced to wander. So it's possible that because you do not recognize the leading of God, because you don't want to see that he's trying to reveal himself to you and not necessarily give you the stuff. Y'all don't want to play fair today. He's not trying to just give you stuff. Hello, somebody. He's trying to deliver you to himself. He's not just trying to solve your problem. He's trying to deliver you to yourself. He's not just trying to get you to break up. He's trying to get you to deliver to yourself, to himself. He's not getting you trying to get you to lose your job. He's trying to deliver you to himself. He's not trying to get you to end the marriage. He's trying to deliver you to himself. He's not trying to get you to move. He's trying to get you to deliver him, you to himself. Why am I preaching better than y'all acting today? You get caught up on the stuff. On the results. And now you ain't got nothing but another slave master. But if you saw him, like in the story we just had that was very beautifully laid out for me, how many people saw the heart of God? All you could say was, that's beautiful. How many people saw the heart of God? That's what he wants. That's what he tries to do in your life. But you're so, I got to gotta do this. I got to get this done. You're so independent. You're so independent in everything. You're so independent in thinking that you need to fix it, solve it, restore it, replenish it, that you don't even recognize he did not put you in an environment where you could fix it, restore it, replenish it, that he might save you and that this saving might point you to him, that you might be converted. Israel, you were not able to see that this was the Jesus, that the Messiah, the Jesus of Nazareth, because he needed to fulfill his crucifixion. But now that you could see why, come on somebody. And now, now, this, now this is the catcher. This is the catcher. When God prophesied, that the Christ would come, the seed would come through Israel, right? We're thinking that the seed that will save every Gentile would just be born through Israel. Jesus being born wasn't what saved the world. Jesus being crucified. And who brought about that crucifixion? Y'all don't want to play fair today. Oh, come on. He works all things together for your good, Israel. Oh, come on. Even the thing that you regret the most, even the thing that you wish you never had associated, even the thing you can't believe that you ever did, he said, now if you give it to me, I will show you that I ought to have need of this thing. 
it's a seed that I might deliver you to. It's a seed that I might deliver you to myself. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Israel, you weren't just going to birth the Messiah, because that's your physical. But I'm going to give you the numbers of sand, grains of sand, and stars in heaven. You also have to perform the spiritual thing. Come on, come on, great Israel. Come, it should have been plain to us. Who was sacrificing lambs? Israel. Who was sacrificing goats? Israel. Who was sacrificing wheat? Israel. Come on, Israel. Birth that seed. Grow that seed. Now give me back my seed. It's not that I wanted it, but it's how what it needed to be done. It was what needed to be done. I needed to bring salvation to the world. So I'm going to use your pain. I'm going to use your grief. I'm going to use your sorrow. I'm going to use your shortcomings. I'm going to use your good intentions. I'm going to use your foul-ups. I'm going to use your character flaws. I'm going to use your insecurities. I'm going to use your doubt. I'm going to use your shame. I'm going to use your happy nature. I'm going to use your carefreeness. I'm going to use your generosity. I'm going to use it all to produce a seed. Their healing came from wandering when they recognized how God always intended to use them and that nothing in their life was wasted for that purpose. Standing all over the house.